0: Welcome back to real estate coaching radio. I want to start out by saying that our prayers are certainly with all of you that are being affected by Dorian. It's, as you guys know, it's a uh, category five hurricane. We were lucky to avoid it. uh, Most of it anyway, here in uh, Puerto Rico, but still shocking hurricane uh, that's affecting the people in the Caribbean and it's headed up towards the East coast. Um, So please do keep those folks in your prayers and uh, yeah. And if it's, On your if if it's coming your way, be ready. It seems like it's a kind of a historic hurricane. Um, We have done past podcasts on what to do in the event of an emergency, in in terms of not just your own preparedness, but also helping your um, your own real estate clients. And those podcasts, the past past podcasts, Julie, can you do a quick search to find one of the titles of those so I can Mm -hmm. tell them what to look for? Um, What to do
1: when disaster strikes. I'm already talking with our producer about that. Yep.
0: Okay, so What to Do When Disaster Strikes. Um, you know what? That might be a good show to run for tomorrow, by the way. But What to Do When Disaster yep. Strikes, that's a podcast that we've done several times over the years. It's a uh, podcast that gives you step-by-step what you should be doing to be of service to your clients. The main thing and the takeaway from the podcast when you listen to that replay, and the podcast is available on com. It's a- available on iTunes. It's available on Stitcher. It's available on wherever you listen to our podcast. But the main takeaway is, is when there's a disaster, um, people need leadership. And oftentimes, if you are the one that provide the leadership and the direction, those people are going to have an undying sense of loyalty to you, like a level of loyalty you can never, ever replace. And um, We've had coaching clients and uh, who have been, you know, the fires in Southern California, when earthquakes strike, when there's just, you know, horrible snow emergencies. What most people do is they have a tendency just to wall up and look after their own. And what we ask all of you to do strongly suggest what you do as a leader, as someone who wants to be seen as being of service to other people, we want you to do the exact opposite. Go out and uh, just pick up the phone and uh, do the things we suggest you do in that podcast. So go listen to that. It's again, what to do when disaster strikes, um, and that's available over on timandjulieharris.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and the rest of it. But in the meantime, let's all pray for the folks that are being affected by Dorian, because man, what a mess that is. All right, so we're going to get back to what to do when a recession hits. And I have been, and Julie and I have been, intensely studying the other uh, early economic warning signs of a looming recession and frankly we're just seeing more evidence that there's something that's actually already started and we're going to start seeing the effects of it next year we really did um, i think we uh, walked you guys through effectively sort of the phases of the real estate cycle that we've already been through and today we're going to talk about the scary real this scary uh, part of the real estate cycle which is called the bust we're going to go through the bust relatively quick because then we're going to tell you what happens after the bust and then Uh, tomorrow and uh, probably Wednesday, maybe Thursday, we're going to tell you exactly what you need to do now. So the point of the past two podcasts we've done on the same topic, or three rather, have been to educate you so that you can educate your clients on how real estate cycles work. Because a lot of folks just don't know. And a lot of agents don't know. A lot of business owners don't know. But cycles are expected in every aspect of business and life, really, for that matter. So understanding where we are in the cycle, in the real estate cycle, is important so that you can explain it to your potential buyers and sellers. Otherwise, they're just going to go to the drama-filled news for their sources of information. So for example, when you start hearing people talking about you know, your buyers, for example, start getting skittish about buying, we're gonna talk about that today, Um, You need to basically help them understand that there is no, you know, obviously there's no one real estate market and then show them that even in the, you know, the very worst real estate market that we've experienced in the past forever, the one back in 07, 08, 09, that they uh, were in your market, there were still hot markets. There were still markets that were selling in, you know, hours. So your job as a business owner, your job as a professional, your job who's, main purpose in life is being of service to others is to know the market, is to understand that there is no one real estate market, that even in a really crappy real estate market, there are still markets that sell really well. And so you can help them understand how to make smart buying decisions. And also sellers, for that matter, a lot of sellers, sellers are going to be your, you know, they're going to be the biggest challenge in this market because they've been so spoiled with an always constantly, you know, upward market. They've been so spoiled with having a most people <laughs> sure. if you think about this most of your sellers that you're dealing with they've only owned real estate most of them probably 60 percent of them have only owned real estate during a seller's market so their challenge is going to be realizing that hey guess what <laughs> you know prices don't just continue to go up forever that occasionally the shoe is on the other foot in this case it's going to be the buyers so pay attention to what we're telling you now this is the cycle that some of you are already in. If you're in New York, if you're in certain parts of California, Florida, other markets, you're already in the bust cycle. For the rest of you, these are the things to look out for. We're going to go through this relatively quick because frankly, we don't want to scare you. Because I got some you know panicky emails uh, from the <laughs> first few shows we've done on this topic. So we're going to go through the bust cycle relatively quick, and then what we're going to do is tell you what to look out for. You know what happens after the bust cycle, and we're going to you know relate this to past history so you guys can kind of document this. For example, the bust cycle uh, ended in 2010 and the boom cycle for sellers started in 2011. But we'll we'll give you more specifics on what to look out for. So, Julie, let's go through these bust points, and you've got your notes in front of you. Go for it.
1: I do indeed. All right, and again, some of you guys are seeing this already. Some of you are seeing it in just certain sections of your market. So pay attention to what's happening. For example, Phase 3, known as the bust, as inventory builds – sellers start having to lower their prices. This can begin a vicious cycle. Buyers go on strike, not wanting to catch a falling knife, causing the sellers to drop prices further. For example, point A, this can cause the return of real appraisal issues, not just tiny mini appraisal issues of a few thousand dollars. You can see some significant appraisal issues. Then we have point B, banks tighten their lending standards again to stave off future foreclosure issues. You see them tightening up. We talked a little bit about bank overlays. Maybe everything looks right on paper, but the particular lender says, nope, that ratio is too high for our standards. We're gonna make you put down more money, stuff like that. Okay, point number C, How equity lines of credit, or otherwise known as HELOCs, get capped or taken away. Point number D, anyone in the real estate industry has a tough time getting a loan yourself on anything, let alone to buy a house. Okay, so remember the previous phase we saw this kind of hit and miss. When it's an actual bust, this becomes a thing. This that's very common. Whether you're a mortgage person or you're a real estate salesperson, it's harder for you to get a loan. And they, if you can, you know, I, they make you prove everything.
0: Yeah. Your the point you just made there. You went over really quick, which is it's, I think these yep. guys have no understanding of what you said. I had to freak them so out. here's <laughs> what happens with right. Well, here's what happens when the real estate market starts to correct. Or it starts to go in the opposite direction. Some of you guys have no savings. And again, we're going to be talking about what to do to prepare for this. But here's a little foreshadowing. Some of you literally have no savings. You're relying on your credit lines and your houses and whatnot to basically be your savings. But listen to what your coach or if we're your future coaches, listen to what we're telling you right now. What happens in a real estate when the recession hits or in banks start to panic, they always overcorrect. And one of the first things that they do is you're going to get a thin letter in the mail. There's not going to be a call. There's not going to be a notification. It's going to tell you that your credit line that you have against your house has been capped. If you have an existing, like say you have a $100,000 credit line on your house and you've borrowed you know, 10000 against that 100000 guess what? You cannot borrow any more than the 10000 It's done. And if you have a $100,000 credit line in your house and you've not borrowed any money against it, they can cancel your credit line. That happens. That happens first. All the house flippers out there that Julie and I knew back in 07 and 08. I remember. I remember them panicking. Yes, they were panicking because all their, and the first bank to do it was Bank of America. And when Bank of America did it, all the other banks started following. And all these little house flippers who basically were, you know, using equity in their primary residences and doing all this, you know, shell game with money, all of it came to an end. And then the whole house, and you saw all these houses that were halfway done, getting the work done, all of those guys basically, unless they were able to go hard money, use their own cash, they're out of the business. Yep. So you need to be seeing and understanding that that also happens on the commercial level. When you have a builder or a developer and they're starting the same type of deal, the banks can just say, sorry, this isn't going to work out for us. The developer can actually – I mean, Julie and I were doing a lot of um, public speaking you know, well, to our industry back in this era – and we were in Vegas, and we drove through – we had a series of events we were doing in Vegas because Vega was, Vegas was really hard hit during the recession. And we drove through Vegas in preparation for our speaking events, and we came across subdivision after subdivision after subdivision that where the houses were you, – you go through like – I mean, there was an area called – there still is an area called Lake Las Vegas. They just let the entire golf course die. There are a whole a sections of like Las Vegas. Like literally die. It
1: was dust.
0: Yeah, literally, <laughs> it was dust. You, you, you saw like Bad. these big wa- – everything just gets – you think, okay, there was a building in downtown Vegas that was a probably a quarter-done casino that the banks just pulled all the money on it, and it just sat as this massive skeleton of a building for years. I think it finally got built. All of that's going to happen again. Of course it's going to happen again at various degrees in your market. Now, here's the thing you got to understand. It's not going to be for the same reasons, but the effects will be the same. So how hard your market gets hit, the economic conditions in your individual market are what's going to ultimately prevail. For example, if you're living in Austin – you're already seeing a big pullback, Austin, Texas, on the upper end. When you go to the MLS, and we have tons of great coaching clients in Austin, and you look at the houses that are in the you know seventh figure and even high six figure price ranges on up, they are sitting on the market for a long period of time. But here's the thing: Austin also is constantly announcing and having all these big businesses uh, bringing in these high paying jobs, Apple and Amazon and all these other things. So chances are. There is going to be a housing reset in Austin, mostly in the upper ends, but probably in the medium price range of saying 400 to 500 or 400 to 450. You're probably not real. You're not going to see you know double digit uh, appreciation, but you're probably not going to see sellers losing money. So these are the types of things that you have to be knowledgeable about. Or if you're in a market where, for example, there isn't a steady uh, stream of new jobs being formed, you know, then you're gonna. It could be a real mess. If you're in one of these neighborhoods, for example, in California, in Southern California, uh, outside of San Diego, there are all these neighborhoods that got formed. Julie, what was that one area that was by that winery, by Dofo? Do you remember that whole Teme- area? Like uh, Temecula, Marietta. Temecula, uh, right, Temecula, uh, yeah. Marietta. Right. Those neighborhoods came up during, um, uh, prior to the last housing bust because people that couldn't afford to buy in the San Diego area were moving out there and driving into San Diego, San Diego every day. So you saw tons of new subdivisions, tons of new houses getting built. But guess what's happened? Those houses crashed hard during the recession and never came back in price. They're still selling for it.
1: Since we're going down this road, um, do you remember when we were driving between Laguna and Vegas? I can't remember the name of the – what are these communities that's like outlying to L.A. or outlying to San Diego – and I will never forget that someday we're going to write our book about the recession because all of these things are true. And even 10 years from now, people aren't going to believe it. I'm sure. But I will never forget. Remember the billboard that we saw from that one builder that said, I do new construction two for one Buy one, you get one free a house. Yep. Okay. You buy one, we will give you the second one for free because they were trying to get rid of inventory. And in Vegas, I remember along with you uh, a subdivision that was maybe 20 or 30 houses And the entire thing had been chained in, so you couldn't even get through the front of the subdivision, and the houses were half-built. I mean, see, you remember the term, the see-through building, the the condo (laughs) high-rises that were see-through because they never got their windows installed? These things are real, guys, and we're not trying to wig you out. We're trying to let you know what can happen. This happened very quickly, those of you who have been around and through it, remember that. And do we think it's going to be you know housing armageddon no because the conditions are different and the causes are different but you need to be prepared you need to know that this can happen and statistically something of this flavor is ready to happen because you can't just be in a boom cycle forever it's never happened before back to you well, sorry drama over ever,
0: but, you know <laughs> no 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 it's fine but but here's the thing uh guess who your favorite coaches were that were buying real estate during that uh, during that time we were julie and i are buying real estate in different states and many of those homes have, you know, some of them have quadrupled in value. We were buying condos in those see-through buildings that she's referring to in Vegas. We were some of the only people, and there was uh, condo was buildings in Vegas <laughs> where we were buying. We don't need to drill down much further. But the point is, nope. is that we're going to talk about essentially the return of the market, and we're going to talk about where the opportunities are. But here's really what matters most, is that you need, to Julie's point, realize that those storm clouds are definitely forming and you need to be prepared. And if we need to scare you a little bit, then that's what we're going to do. And we're going to, again, we're going to really drill down and tell you exactly what you need to be doing in your real estate business so that you can be prepared whatever happens be prepared for longer That's days right. on the market be prepared for seller psychology you know you're gonna have to learn how to dr fill all your your clients but mm-hmm. that is what we're going to be talking about the rest of the week so julie let's finish up these points
1: yeah so let's get back to our points because you know these are all good examples of our points point number e upper end would be sellers decide to lease their properties instead Any of you guys listening in Manhattan, you know this to be true. Some of our L.A. clients and your job is to say, yes, it would be my pleasure to help you lease that. Even if you're not a property manager, even if you don't love leases, you've got to maintain that relationship because the agents that have done that end up listing those properties when the market comes back. Don't say no. You have to say yes, it would be my pleasure and then figure it out. That's why we have Premier Coaching. We've had those conversations in the past two weeks. Okay, point number F. Many homeowners' equity has been wiped out or is starting to be wiped out, and the history has shown that these people, some of them, will strategically default living in their homes for free as long as possible. I think there's a good possibility we'll see some of this, particularly because people know that they can. Last time around, nobody knew that they could live in their house that long. Probably they can't be as long, but it's still probably gonna happen. Uh, G, related to this, the return of the short sale conversation. I'm already getting a little flavor of that on our premier coaching calls. Not in every case, certainly very randomly. Um, some, of, some of this is they bought at the peak of the market. Maybe they got transferred, reloaded, lost their job, whatever. They didn't have a big down payment, paid the peak, and now they're one price reduction away from being a short sell. One of the things we're talking about, Tim, is you remember the phenomenon where you're only a little bit short And sometimes if you haven't missed payments, the bank will turn it into a uh, unsecured line of credit and let you pay that off and not be a short sale. So the return of some of this creative uh, pricing it in such a way it will sell to be of service to your sellers and knowing about that kind of thing. Remember, there's a whole generation of agents that think I'm talking crazy right now because they've never heard of such (laughs) a thing. This is why we have coaching. (laughs) Okay. Um, H, and this is important. BPO orders go crazy. Those of you who are doing BPO cash flow businesses, as we've taught you to do over the years, you guys are on the front lines of this. So when you start to see those BPO orders really ramping up, that's the tip of the iceberg. And then but Julie, point level I, off. Julie, yeah. level
0: off. Yeah, yeah. Level off. All right. So BPOs, guys, if you're not doing BPOs, if you're not familiar with BPOs, you need to seriously get into the BPO business. You need to have that as an income spoke. Now, depending on where you are in your business and how much volume you're doing and all that rest of it, but the BPO business is really brilliant because it's a absolutely fantastic way to generate cash flow every single day. Average BPOs are paying, what, 75 bucks? If you have three staff members... And you want to, you know, not have to fire them. Here's a great idea for you: start having them pay for their own seat. Have them start doing enough BPOs every day. And once you get efficient at BPOs, you can do them in about a half hour. Start, start having each of your staff members do a, you know, a, a BPO or three per day. Then they can at least pay for themselves every, every single month. That way, if the cash flow starts to slow down from real estate sales or the closings become protracted, which they will, you still have money coming in. And here's the other thing that's nice about BPOs, as Julie just said. It gives you an advanced look as to what the market, where the market direction is headed. You get BPO orders for all kinds of things, refinances, people missing payments, mm-hmm. uh, banks worried that people have strategically defaulted and left the houses, all kinds of well, things. Well, looking at their HELOCs going... too, that
1: can cause a BPO you know, yep, deciding right. whether they're going to pull that or not.
0: Right. You guys will know what's happening in the market when we know, because we know what's happening in the market oftentimes from some of our top BPO agents in the country. And here's ultimately what the BPO business will get you a foot uh, a foot in the door when the, when the REO business returns, which it will return. <laughs> now, it will return in various stages. It will return in various levels of intensity, depending on where you are in the country. But do not think for a second that that market's not returning. It, it is. Again, we do not think (laughs) that it's going to be as bad as it was, so please do not overcorrect. Do not freak out. But something all of you need to seriously be doing is learning how to adapt your current business model, assuming you have one, to what's coming. And here's a great idea for you. Consider requesting a free coaching call. The easiest way for you to do this is just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996 and when you do you're going to be given six free books including the real estate treasure map the real estate treasure map is your fill-in-the-blank business and life plan if you've not yet done this you need to do it immediately because it's really going to help you have unbelievable levels of clarity about what's most important to you. At this time of the year, it's very easy to feel like you've mentally and emotionally spread yourself too thin. I get it. I kind of feel that way myself. And so guess what <laughs> Julie and I did over the weekend? We did our real estate treasure map again. We do it three times of the year. But I realized I was personally losing a little bit of uh, direction in my mind. And so she basically coached me and had me do my treasure map again. And it really does help. Because it focuses you in. That's the whole point. So I want you to text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996, and when you do, we're going to be giving you those six free books, including Real Estate Treasure Map, and you're going to be entitled to a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. Every single one of you, if you expect to be in the business over the next few years and you want to, frankly, take advantage, be of service to other people, but also take advantage of the opportunities that are only created in a corrective market, you need to absolutely text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Julie?
1: Yes. So our next point is related to the BPO thing. Industry watchers watch for NODs. Those are notices of default as an indication of the direction the market's going. The problem is that the banks are not compelled to actually report those NODs for months since it affects their ability to borrow. So an intentional opaqueness over the easiest way to test for industry health, you know, it, it is an indication, but BPOs are a better indication because NODs trail. That's why we want you guys to be tuned into the BPOs. Okay, Jay, socialistic attitude about housing. The reporting, the thinking, the Facebook posts that everyone's entitled to be a homeowner, and in an election year upcoming, that may even become more of a political hot button, so watch for that. Point number K, substantial value decreases in property sale prices. Now, again, that's not universally true. Right now, about, what did I write down this morning? Uh, 32% of sales over the past two quarters are first-time home buyers, so that segment of the market might be a little bit insulated from this, but you will hear reporting on value decreases, and you've got to watch it in your own price segments. All right. One of the hallmarks of the bust is this, point number L, the days on the market is no longer measured in days. It's measured in months. Luxury, sometimes years on the market. I think the all-time record, I had a coaching client that had a listing for Wait for it. Not five, not six, not seven, but nine years. Okay. The starting price was two million. It sold for one million. I used to tease her that you could have a nine-year-old child in the time it took to sell that thing. Kudos to her for keeping the listing that long. I mean, that's a, a absolutely a record. This was in uh, upstate New York, where she took it off the market every six months or so because you literally could not get the, through. You know, you couldn't drive up the steep hill in the snow. So that was part of the problem. And it had an incredible property tax bill, but eventually she got it sold. So, you know, if somebody can, if she can do it after nine years, don't wig out if it's taking you nine days instead of nine seconds. It's, it's different for everyone, but definitely in the bust, it's at least months on the market, if not years. So M point M quote, hard to sell in this phase can actually take years. So if you're accustomed to having a 90 day listing contract and you start seeing things take 180 days to sell, you just signed yourself up to have an expired. And to do all that hard upfront work, if you didn't price it right, don't count on closing. You've got to watch this stuff and modify to meet your market's expectations. So that's the end of my bust points, Tim. Phase four, of course, is a slow return to a seller's market. We can talk about that on tomorrow's call and then work them into, no, let's start. you know, what to let's do about start. this, Or we can but start. Okay. This is more yeah, fun so anyway. let, let, Hold
0: on. <laughs> just a, Yeah, it's more fun, right? So here's what we want you to realize. is that it's, it's here. It's not coming. It's already here. The market correction is definitely going to be affecting all of us and some of us in a more meaningful way. Don't freak out. Don't overreact. And if you're going to spend and waste a lot of time, Trying to find information to refute our points, thinking we have a hidden agenda, then you are going to get run over by the recession. That's just what's going to happen because I know a lot of you are going to do that. You're going to hear the, these points and you're going to think mm-hmm. that we're trying to sell you something. Your skeptical mind is going to go take a defensive posture and you're going to look for reasons why we're wrong. And guess what? You're going to find a whole shit ton of them because the industry in itself, the, in, the real estate industry, does not want agents in particular to be worried about a recession or a changing housing market. This is the reason that your broker, God bless them, this is the reason that your office, this is the reason that all these tech companies that you buy your stuff from never talk about this stuff, and here's the reason why because if you are as frankly fearful, this is the reason why other coaches don't talk about it either. Because agents won't buy stuff if they're being if they're fearful. Agents only buy stuff, people only buy stuff, spend money when they're feeling you know, jubilant, and they're feeling optimistic, and they're feeling excited. But here's the thing. We think that's dishonest. If our job, you know, I say if, but our job really is to do whatever it takes to be of service to you guys. Those of you who have known us for a long time, which is a lot of you, know that we're very sincere about that, even at our own detriment. In other words, we will tell you guys. We have been in front of groups of agents before you know, hundreds, sometimes thousands, where we've said this type of information, and as a result of that, nobody bought anything from us. But we did it knowing it was the right thing to do. Whereas if we go in front of a group of agents and tell them all this rah-rah, feel-good stuff, then everybody buys something from us. Do you guys understand? We're not going to put what's best for Julie and I in front of what's best for you. Because ultimately, that's the reason that Julie and I have been doing this for decades, because those of you who know us have come to trust us and know that we're always going to have your best interests at heart. So, yes, you can easily find lots of reasons to believe that what we're telling you is not true. But what at what cost? All we're asking you guys to do is hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Is that not an unreasonable request? Hope for the best and prepare for the worst. What does that mean? It means that you have to start really taking a hard look at every single thing you're doing in your business and start running it through a different set of filters. Start running it through a set of filters that are really going to essentially purge out all the wastefulness and the obsolete thinking. It's easy from a long-term seller's market to have a whole bunch of wasteful, obsolete thinking creep into your mind, and you just to normalize it, just to assume that's the way things are done and always will be done, and those are the very thoughts that that can literally destroy you. I'm talking about the big teams. I'm talking about the buying leads. I'm talking about the endless talk about branding, the social networking, everything pretty much that you guys think is normal that you've learned about over the past really 12 years, every one of those things is going to be under attack during a recession because that's what happens. All the wasteful things are no longer doable because they don't make money and they don't put you in a position to essentially feed your family. And so agents start freaking out and then what happens all those companies that were selling you all that stuff, they go away. Happens every single time. What happened to Purple Bricks? What happens to all these other companies? They're gone because that is what happens in market cycles. That's the nature of market cycles. So we are always going to tell you the truth Even if it's slightly offensive, even if it's slightly scary, even if it pisses you off, because at the end of the day, I know what happens, and so does Julie. You guys will thank us, and that's what happens every time. You know, some of you have been listening and paying attention and coaching clients and friends of ours, you know, a form of family of ours, for decades. Why? Because you know you can trust that we're going to tell you the absolute truth. You know we are going to go sometimes way ahead of our skis to find the very, very best information we can provide for you so that you can be prepared so listen to what we're telling you we're trying to help you we're trying to help you avoid unnecessary pain that's the main thing so tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit about essentially what to look for in the signs of the recovery we're going to tell you about where the opportunities lie during this you know what the next cycle will be which we can call it bust or correction you can use whatever term you want to but what we're really going to focus on is we're going to give you seven Julie remember I promised seven. Mm-hmm. drill down points on what you can be doing now to really focus in and take advantage of the opportunities that a market like this creates, because here's why it is something to be excited about. And I know this is a little counterintuitive, but I want you to hear this. So few agents and brokers are going to be prepared for this market. Look how few of them are. None of them are talking about it now, right? But how many of you are really thinking about it? Not very many. What if you start preparing now? What if you are ready for whatever corrective cycle creeps in? What if you are the only agent in your market that knows how to actually help agents or rather help sellers reposition their houses or get properties sold? What if you're one of the only agents in your marketplace that knows how to, you know, do the types of things that are necessary in a market cycle like this? Here's what happens. And this is what happened before. And those of you who've been in the business for a long time, you know what I'm about to say is true. The agents who are generally speaking, the top agents during a boom cycle Do not last through the bust cycle. As soon as the bust cycle creeps in, those guys are wiped out because they do not adjust fast enough. And the agents that then become the best agents, who was the number one agent in California during like five, six years? The gal who had all the REOs. Her name was Maria, right? Who are the top agents in most of the marketplaces now? Those same agents because they kept the hold on the market. They didn't just basically, you know, do a bunch of REOs and then disappear. They did a bunch of REOs, build up really powerful, you know, many of them became millionaires, and they kept in the business, they kept at the top of the cycle. So there's more opportunities in a market correction. It's easier to make money in a market correction than it is in a boom market. Sounds counterintuitive, I know, but when you listen to the podcast the rest of the week, I promise you, you'll understand why. So if you need me for anything... I want you to seriously consider texting me at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. In the meantime, we'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. Thanks and have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com.